0: Welcome to the Millennial Way. Real millennials, real success. This is how they did it. Tailoring the next generation of leaders, I'm proud to be your host, Chase Coleman. Y'all, what is up? What's going on? Welcome back to the Millennial Way, and it is another lovely winning Wednesday. Guys, before we get into our awesome interview for today, I have my buddy Chris Doring here and Let me tell you guys this. We actually recorded this back in, I believe it was early March, and it was snowing in Charlotte. Now, we realize that it is June, and there's no snow in Charlotte, North Carolina right now, so I did just want to make that one note, but y'all, I am feeling fantastic, to be honest with you guys. I had my little brother in town this weekend. He flew in from Atlanta after being cooped up with my parents for just a couple months, and I can only imagine how difficult that is being a college student going back and living home, especially when you don't spend that much time at home you know obviously he goes to school down in Houston and he's just never home so for him to be home for that amount of time like i was even telling him i'd be going crazy if i was locked up in the house with our parents i love our parents don't get me wrong but to be 21 and being in that situation is is tough but had him in town out here in Seattle for the weekend and guys it was a blast we went on a hike which got well we went on a accidental hike. We were going to go see these big four ice caves here in, in Washington. And it was supposed to be a relatively easy hike. And then, you know, we ran into somebody who said that we were going to go on an easy hike and he told us how to get there. And little did we know that we'd be going a thousand feet of elevation and just one mile and walking straight up a hill. So yes, I almost died on that hike, but you know what? I had a blast. My brother had a blast and it was amazing. I mean, we went to a bar for the first time in what felt like ages. We sat on a rooftop, socially distanced, and it was just a blast. So, I'm I'm very blessed and very fortunate to have had him out here. And you know, guys, like trips actually remind me a little bit about like anxiety and mental health. I think a lot of us are on a mental health journey to becoming just overall better or or I wouldn't even call it better, but just overall healthy in terms of physicality and your mental. You know, I was reading an article last night. It was super late, but it was actually about anxiety and how trips are a good way to help reduce anxiety. And one thing that it talked a lot about was that yes, like you go on a trip and you're going to have a lot of fun, but the most anxiety that you're actually going to get is before the trip, which is good. And one of the scientists said that the anxiety leading up to a trip gives you more endorphins in your brain than that would than that you would get on a on the trip itself. So basically what the scientist is saying is plan trips, get ready, get excited for trips and you will feel even more anxious and uh, not even more anxious, but you'll feel a lot better and more excited. And you're going to get pumped for the trip that that trip is going to happen. And you're going to feel like you're in nirvana the entire time. Now, obviously there'll be things that are going to happen that might ruin a moment, but don't let that moment ruin you. And you end up becoming Overall, happier. So, my recommendation to you guys is plan trips. Now, for example, we can't really travel all that much. You can't go international or do things of that sort. But what you could do is a road trip. And my roommate and I are planning road trips right now. We're looking at different places we could go places on the West Coast, places in the middle of the country. Even talked about driving all the way down to Georgia. I don't think that's going to actually happen. But, guys, it's to help cure, uh, to help digress your anxiety. I would say plan trips, get excited for them and look forward to them because it's only going to help you look forward to something in the future while also getting stuff done in the in the present. One last thing, guys, it's looking like sports is going to make a return soon. We got the NBA gearing up. We got the MLS gearing up. I mean, I'm pumped. I mean, it's looking like the NFL is going to make a, a timely start. All of the NCAA or most conferences in the NCAA are getting ready to get, football going and yes the covid cases are flying high right now but it's um it's just going to be exciting to be able to see some live sports finally going on you know outside of Bundesliga and watching some german german football or soccer as we call it here in the states and i have been watching my boy Jordan Lloyd out there in Valencia so it's been fun at least watching the european basketball league go on and my last thing for you guys is that i've been actually watching game of thrones um I'm one of those people that was very much against Game of Thrones while it was popular. And my roommate and all of my other friends tried to convince me to watch it over the last you know five, six, seven years. And I finally gave in. I mean, there was one night nobody had pressured me for about a couple months. And wow, I am glad I started it. I mean, I understand why some people say it's the best show ever. Uh, it's not my style of show. So I would never say it's the best show ever. Not in my opinion. But this show is absolutely crazy absolutely crazy. I made it through season two. It's, I've only been watching it for about two and a half weeks now. So we're flying through it. But guys, this show is, holy crap. I, I, I can't even, there's so much going on right now that I can't even explain to you how I'm feeling. So I actually wrote up a recap of season one. I'm writing up a recap of season two. I will post that to my Instagram story this week. And I'm just like, it's just nuts. And I truly think if Brand just would have remembered maybe what happened at the beginning and told then we would never would have been here but or maybe if he would have had a lawyer then shoot all of this craziness might have not happened but speaking of lawyers we got my boy Chris Doran coming on who is a lawyer he's practicing law right now he just graduated with his JD I believe it was about a year year and a half ago and he's going to talk a lot about law the good the bad the ugly of law and even at one point during the interview. Chris got a little nervous because he was like, man, I think I might be deterring people away from law. But the real goal of our interview today was to understand what law is all about. The truth of the matter is that no job is 100% perfect, right? Even as an entrepreneur, no job is 100% perfect. And there's going to be the good, there's going to be the bad, and there's going to be the ugly. And I want to make sure that you guys get the real, especially as you're getting prepared to embark on your career, embark on your career journey and Chris does a fantastic job at doing that today. So, enough of me ranting. Let's get into this with Chris Doring today. And y'all, as I mentioned, Chris Doring is that guy. He is the dude. And we got him here on the show today. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. How you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing good. It's a little snowy down here in Charlotte, North Carolina, if you can believe that. But I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Does it snow down there often? I know when I was living in Atlanta, we would get maybe like, you know, half an inch of snow a year for like a couple days. But what about you guys? You guys get some snow over there? Man, you know, it's it's off and on. We've actually had this. Today's been
1: snowing and then a couple days ago it snowed. But it, it just depends. You know, sometimes you get it January, February, early March. But, man, once it snow's here, nobody knows how to act. <laughs> the whole city shuts down, doesn't it? The whole city shuts down. I remember when I was younger, we'd get threats of ice or, you know, ice warnings right before school, and they'd shut down for the whole day. I mean, of course, me, I'd love it. You know, you just get to sit home be a little kid all day. And then at noon, it's, you know, the ice is gone. It's fine. our parents are just like, you know, yeah.
0: <laughs> I remember that in Atlanta, too, because people would like literally be walking out with like Morton's table salt and putting that on the sidewalks, <laughs> thinking that it would stop the ice from coming. And it's like, no, I, I don't think that's the right ice. I think it's the right type of salt. I think you need something else. But, you know, who am I? Who am I? Because am I? I'm just trying to get out of school.
1: Exactly. Oh, no. Best <laughs> believe I'm I'm taking that snow day.
0: That's for damn sure. So let's let's get started with this interview. So, Chris. You just graduated law school not too long ago, and now you've got an associate attorney job, right?
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: So I, I graduated back in 2018
1: um, in May, and then did the, did the whole interview process, um, found a few jobs that I liked, and then one extended an offer. And so I've been working with that firm for about almost a year now.
0: Okay. Okay. That's pretty sweet. So you've been finally getting those lawyer paychecks, which is always nice to hear. But, um, oh yeah! Could you give us like a cliff note version of how you got to being an associate attorney? I mean, even yeah, just sure. starting from like undergrad at Clemson to to today.
1: Yeah, sure. So I um I went to Clemson University for undergraduate, best college in the nation, if you ask me. Tigers um, went there, go Tigers, baby! Uh, went there, took my first. I didn't even know if I wanted to be a lawyer while I was at Clemson, but I took my first. Um, I I took my first law class, uh, business law class at Clemson, and I fell in love with it. Um, My my dad's a lawyer. My mom was a lawyer. and My grandfather was a lawyer. So I guess you could say he's in my blood. Yeah. And uh, so I took the class. I really liked it. And then I I decided I wanted to pursue law school uh, about my sophomore year at Clemson. Um, Then, you know, I went, took the LSAT, studied for the LSAT then took the LSAT, then just went through the the law school application process. Um, I didn't, you know, there's some people out there that, you know, casted a wide net and, you know, they didn't really know where they wanted to go. But for me, I I always knew I wanted to be in the Carolinas, North Carolina and South Carolina. And so that that helped me limit or focus my my school choices. Um, I applied to, you know, I think four schools in total, Um, got accepted to the one that I wanted to go to. And um, went to law school. Wake Forest was law school. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Went there. Yeah. Yeah, man. Up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um, went there. Then um, about I'd want to say my last year. So the years are, are separated and they're called L. So one L, two L, three L. And in my about about my summer and two L year going into my three L year was when I started looking for jobs um, post grad. And so I just did the whole, you know, sending out resumes, trying to network, build that. And um, eventually I got this offer and I accepted.
0: That's awesome. And did you have to do internships while you were in law school, too? Is that something that you do over the summertime or also like maybe while you're in school? Oh, yeah. So and, and I
1: would definitely recommend doing, um, internships that, that you really in a profession or in a, in a certain practice that you really want to do. Um, for me, I, um, I started working at the South Carolina attorney general's office, um, in their securities division. I I had this idea that I wanted to, um, be a securities lawyer and we won't have to go into that. That could be for the next podcast. Um, (laughs) yeah, but you know, I'd started doing some, some, local jobs with the attorney general over the summer, Um, my 1L year, and then my 2L year. And then my 3L year, I went, um, I'm sorry, going into my 3L year, I went up to D.C. for a semester with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC. And I worked there for a a semester, uh, I mean, for a summer. And um, I really liked that. Uh, I'd never been to D.C. before. And so but but the work I was doing was really interesting. And so that's definitely something that, you know, in most other schools, I I don't know, you know, like in vet school, or in um, other like, if you're going to business school, if you do internships, but I think it's really important for for law students to get that um, real world experience during the summer.
0: No doubt, no doubt. And also build that network, right? I mean, it sounds like while you're up in DC, and while you are doing your internships, not only were you able to get that real world world experience, but you were also able to meet other people who were one doing internship work as interns, and then two, also other professionals within the industry and the field that are able to help you kind of take that next step when you're ready to graduate and become an actual lawyer, right?
1: Absolutely the the building your network while you're in school is is a really important part of the process.
0: Okay, I love it. I love it. And I want to go back on something earlier you said because you said your mom is a lawyer, your dad is a lawyer, your grandfather's a lawyer, your great, 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 great great grandfather's a lawyer. (laughs) Were you, when you were going into college, and even though you didn't know that you wanted to be a lawyer at the time, did you feel any type of pressure from your parents that law was kind of the way that you wanted to go? Or were they a little bit more open to you just kind of going off and doing whatever it was, whether it It ended up being law or med school or business or anything of that sort.
1: Oh, no, I was I was blessed to have parents that didn't really um, pressure me into doing something that, you know, I didn't want to do Um, that. You know, like I said, it's in my blood, but you you could have sworn they didn't have any sort of inclination that I was going to be a lawyer up to that point when I made the decision. Um, and then when I decided I wanted to be a lawyer, they were overjoyed, but at the same time going into it. And before I made the decision, I don't even think it was, if I can recall, it was ever brought up, um, going to law school and being a lawyer. And that's just the the type of people they are. Um, not really, you know, not, not pushing their dreams onto someone else, but at the same time being happy and excited with, with what their child makes. So.
0: No, that's cool, man. That's cool. I was just really curious because you, I, I have plenty of friends who, you know, both their parents were engineers and they kind of had to go the engineer route because their parents were like, well, you kind of have no choice but to be an engineer. That's what we do. Or, you know, vice versa when it comes to law or anything of that sort. So I always think it's important to kind of know where people come from and then also just what kind of interests you in it. Right. And I think that kind of leads me into my next question is you said that your first class um your your sophomore year of college at Clemson and business law is really what interested you in law and and making you want to kind of get into onto that law track mm-hmm. do you even do you remember and, or recall like what it was about that class that made you kind of fall in love with it was it the fact that you were learning about the United States law or like contractual law like what it, what was it exactly i'm just kind of really interested in that
1: i think it was more that that's a good question i think it was more about Um, Because I had taken my my major was an operations major, uh, business operations. And so I was really centered on the business aspect of it. Um, I I really, really liked seeing how the law impacted business decisions um, and how you could use the law for your advantage in your business, um, because that, that was something that really interested me. And just kind of learning, you know, cutting my teeth with it, Uh, you know, I didn't really know what all entailed because, you know, being a sophomore in college, there's still so much you can learn. Um, And I think it it kind of ignited a fire and I wanted to learn more about it, um, see how it impacted businesses. um, And and I'm speaking about the law. um, And and that was just something that that drew my eye to it.
0: That's sweet, man. That's I think that's really cool. And is that the type of law that you're actually practicing now? Like it's I mean, we were talking a little bit earlier about contract about contracts and contractual law. So would you say that that's kind of the same same realm?
1: Yeah, so um, it it certainly is. And I'm in a smaller firm. um, And and so I get exposed to a wide array of, um, you know, legal matters. Uh, But mostly our our firm focuses, uh, most of our clients are businesses. And so we handle business issues that arise and, and and, you know, negotiations and all aspects of of a business from the legal side. Um, But my primary practice um, is I'm a commercial real estate attorney and an estate planning attorney. So those are my two practices, commercial real estate and estate planning. Um, But like I said, working at a smaller firm, um, I'm doing everything commercial. You know, business to business um, is primarily what we deal with um, commercial transactions. The, like, I think that's what we spoke about before we started the interview, um, the closing that I'm assisting on right now. Um, those are just, it, that's just the day-to-day for me. And, um, it, and I definitely think some aspects of that class that I took in my sophomore year at Clemson are still prevalent in my practice today.
0: Okay. That's cool. That's cool. And I do you're just intriguing the hell out of me. So I'm going to go off of this uh, <laughs> questions that I sent you a little bit. And you're talking about being in a small firm right now. And yeah. I'm curious to know if that was something that you did on purpose coming out of law school or yeah. Like, was that something that you like purposefully did was go into a smaller firm? I haven't, I have more questions coming up after this. I promise.
1: Yeah, no, I, I like it. I like the, the, um, the, the small firm for me, um, I guess I let me take a step back. So it all starts with my interview process and kind of how I was exposed to um, the firm practice. Um, During my summers, you know, my summer jobs, I I never worked at a law firm. I worked at state agencies, federal agencies. Um, So I didn't really know how a firm operated outside of, you know, talking to friends and talking with my dad. Um, I didn't know the, you know, the intricacies of, of how a firm operated. Um, uh, but it was something that I wanted to learn. And so my, my interview process for me, cause you know, it, it in addition to you trying to impress the, the firms that you're interviewing with, um, it really is a good opportunity for you to see how, um, the culture of the firm is the, the firm that you're interviewing with. And so I was Absolutely. able to interview with Large firm, you know, big laws is the common firm for it or common term for it. Um, Mid-sized firms that have about a um, hundred to three hundred attorneys, um, and then you know, smaller firms that you know, hundred attorneys and less. Um, those I really got the broad spectrum to find out which one I liked. Um, and for me personally, I, I like the small law firm uh, culture. Um, everybody, you know, it's, it's treated like a family. Um, and, yeah. and they've, they've brought me in like a, it was family too. So, um, and I think that just depends on the person. Some people love the grind. Some people love the big law grind, um, which, which is certainly there and it's attractive. And I still think it might be attractive to me, but for right now, uh, you know, the, the small law firm environment is something that was appealing to
0: me. Yeah. I think that's really cool because it almost is the same exact thing as like businesses, right? You could either go work at the big Fortune 500 companies that sounds really, really sexy, or you could go work at a smaller, um, like small to mid-sized company that's still one makes a lot of money and does great work, but you just get a lot more exposure um, across different things, right? Like you get like a, a little bit more breadth when it comes to the work versus maybe the depth of the work that you would get in terms of going to like a bigger company or a bigger firm and um, well so that that kind of leads me to my next question for you because I'm interested uh, about like the differences between big and, and smaller firms in terms of like the cultures and while you're speaking about the at least from like your interview perspective right like because you did get to interview with some big uh with some big law firms and then also you ended up choosing the we'll call it a smaller law firm even though it's just I don't even I'm not trying to say like in a bad way. You know what I mean?
1: No, no. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Hey, believe me, there's there's times um, some of the the small law law firms, if you can believe this, um, is is mostly a few of them that I, that I interviewed with. Um, a lot of them were attorneys that worked in big law, um, the big law firms, and they decided that they wanted to downsize and, and work for themselves, for lack of a better term. Um, yeah. And I guess they found more gratification out of that.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And that's usually when people become like partners and all that fun stuff. And then they get to also have their name on it, too, which I think is pretty dope. Yeah. But um, so taking a step back, let's let's think about getting into law school. And before you even got your job and all that fun stuff, when you're getting ready for the LSAT, you said you took it a couple of times when you were at Clemson. How how was that process and what was that process like and what did you do to really help prepare yourself to get ready to get a good enough score on the LSAT to go to a really great school such as Wake Forest?
1: Yeah. So the the LSAT, I I took it, I believe I took it. um, It's, it's been so long, but it's in, in reality, it's only been a few years, but um, for me, it was, uh, I took, you know, the, the, the most traditional way to study for the LSAT. It's doing an in-person prep class. Um, You know, you go and, you know, some of them. So a notable one is Kaplan. Kaplan's probably I think that was what I took. Kaplan was was the traditional in-person preparation class um, and lasted for about two months. And I did that in preparation for the LSAT. Um, but in reality, you know, looking back on it, I would recommend to people that are that are thinking about taking the LSAT and thinking about going to law school that you study at least three to five months. Um, okay. that, that, that's a good window that I think, had I have, uh, had I had studied for, for five months, who knows, I might've been going to Harvard. Um, <laughs> no, but you know, you, it, it takes closer to that five months, I think personally, but you know, it, it, like I said, it just depends on, on your study habits and how you study. But, you know, at the time you're an undergrad, you know, you've got so many other distractions going on and it's hard to just put, you know, all your focus in for two months, um so that that 3 to 5 months kind of gives you a little more flexibility to to reach your full potential um, you know given the importance of of the LSAT score i mean your LSAT scores compared to your gpa those are the two big factors that all schools look at your gpa yep. and your LSAT and you know you know going to school for 4 years you know think about 5 months is not a crazy amount of time to prepare for you know the next school prepare for your pre- for your profession um and so i think just you know the undergrad gpa weighs less heavily than your lsat score so you do want to take the time and effort to put in um, and that three to five months um, will, is probably recommended but for me it was you know two months um, I, I just went in there i did the two-month grind um, in fact i i took it um i took it at clemson and I took it at a in a classroom at Clemson, and there were about fifteen of us in this um, LSAT prep class. And I remember the day of our LSAT um, was on a on a game day. It was a Saturday. It was during football Ooh. season, um, or I think it was during the spring game. Yeah, it was the spring game. Was the next day, and everybody was preparing for that and getting ready. But you know, for me, I was I was looking to the next step um, for law school, so I had to put my head down and and study.
0: Yeah. You had to take that one night off. And I mean, shoot, it pays off, right? I mean, you think back on it and at the time, you know, it sucks. Like, fuck dude, I do not want to just sit down and look at my books and study and read just to take a test tomorrow. I'd rather be out having a good time with my friends. But I mean, when you look look hindsight 2020 and you're like, shit, this is, this is a hundred percent worth it. I'm about to grind through this. I'm about to knock this out the park. And then I'm going to go celebrate that because, shoot, that's a little bit more fun to celebrate anyways.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's, you, you know, that's no matter if it seems impossible, if it takes time, um, if you have to put in those long hours, you know, you you got to do it because I think for me, it was just re- having that reminder in the back, the feeling of success, um, self-gratification, you know, accomplishment that really kept me going and kept me motivated during that, that LSAT period. And going forward to date, you know, I still... I still, you know, have times where it's long and, and grueling hours, but, you know, I just look to the horizon, look to see what I'm accomplishing. And it, it gives me that extra push.
0: I, I love that. And I love that you said that during, cause it's true. You know, when you're able to kind of get out of the, the present and look at and embrace the suck, essentially, I think that's the motto of the Marines or the Navy or it's somebody in the, um, within one of the army branches, but, if you embrace the suck for now and then you look for, at the future, you're like, wow, I might have to work 12 hours today. I might have to work on a Saturday. I mean, shoot, we're talking on a Saturday and you got back from work like 45 minutes to an hour ago, right? Like yeah. you were putting in the hours, but it's because it's going to be worth it during that one point. And I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I was up, I told you I couldn't sleep last night and I was up at like 4 a.m. and I was looking back at like some of my old um high school basketball games like the state championship games that we won and i was okay. thinking and like when i was watching the games though i wasn't watching it because i was like reminiscing on old times in terms of like the feeling but i remember all the hard work that we put in and all the times where we were like grinding during the middle of the night running playing basketball doing extra sprints after practice like doing all this travel and then you see it all come to gratification through uh, for the sport you know winning the state championship but for you it was getting that good-ass LSAT score, going to Wake Forest, and then also working for a firm, which is within the Carolinas, living where you want, making really good money, practicing the law that you want to do. And I say all that because it's like, we just got to embrace the suck today and keep moving forward and be able to kind of get out of ourselves to be able to see that, that hindsight 2020. Otherwise, like you could just get kind of lost in the grind and, and you get lost in the day-to-day, which is what none of us really want.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And it's I think it it, it all just kind of stems on on doing what you what you love, what you want to do, because, um, you know, work's going to consume a large part of your life It's going to consume both of, uh, a large part of both of our lives. And, you know, the only way to make it, the only way for it to be truly satisfa- satisfactory to you um, is to do what you believe in um, and, and doing what you think is great work. Um, and the only way to do that great work is to love what you do. So I think that's kind of the the kicker right there is, you know, you put in these long hours, um, but it almost it's kind of cliche. It doesn't seem like work because you're liking what you're doing. Um,
0: but th- that's
1: just that that's just been my mindset.
0: I love that. I love that. That's a really good way to put it. And when I think about law, you know, there's there's a lot of myths around everything when it comes to corporate America, when it comes to the law industry, when it comes to work, being a doctor, being a nurse, whatever it may be. But Dorian, could you give us kind of like the good, bad and maybe like the ugly of like the law industry? And when I say that, I mean, just like, you know, thinking of like the myths that you see within TV shows and things of that sort, could you kind of give us a rundown on on the real of the law?
1: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, with the good, um, I, I think personally, for me, it's it's the helping clients. You know, we usually in in you know, if you're watching Law and Order, um, you know, you usually see a person during their worst moments of their life. Um, yeah. You know, something's happened, and so it, it, for me, it's it's extremely gratifying. It's it's extremely rewarding to help the person find a you know successful resolution to their problem that gratification that they receive is almost a self gratification for me because, you know, I'm using what I learned to help somebody else. Um, And I think you see that a lot around this law industry um, to the profession. You know, we, we like to do things. There's, I don't know if you know the term pro bono. Um, It's, it's charitable work that that attorneys do. Um, You know, we don't charge for it. And I think you, you see for me personally, I haven't had the chance to do a lot of pro bono work um, but once you start getting into it, well, I've been told it's infectious and you want to keep doing it because you know you're you're giving back to the community. Um, I've always been preached that that you know we we're blessed to have this profession um, to work in a profession where you have the ability um, to give back. So I think that's that's the good for me. Um, you know, I love also that the law never sleeps. You know, it doesn't require that all of it be done in a nine to five window. I mean, you, you've got to respond to clients at all hours, you know, you've got to handle things that might need to be done that it, it might happen at eight o'clock at night, or nine o'clock, or, or, you know, seven in the morning, it just depends. So I think that 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 it never sleeps. That's something that I, I find is a good thing. Um, in, in this law profession. Um, oh, yeah. the, the The bad Um, for me, you know, I think a lot of, I think a lot of people know more bad things than good things, uh, about the law industry, but I, you know, I think a lot of it's, some of it's very real. Um, and I I can talk about those, but then others I think are, um, you know, it's, it's just a part of the game. And, And for me, that's been my mindset is that, um, you know, for one, we can just address the elephant in the room, the student loan debt. Um, for for going to a grad school, not just law school, but, you know, if you were going to med school or if you were going to vet school, um, getting your MBA, you know, there's, it's just a, it's an investment. And I think that's a, that's something that's a big misconception um, is that, oh, I don't want to go to law school. I'm going to have, you know, $100,000 in debt, uh, you know, if I don't get a scholarship, that sort of thing. Um, But for me, it's always just been, you know, it's all about leverage. Um, you know i I see my profession my the school as an asset um, that I was able to leverage into a profession that I wanted to to go into um yeah, no and bad, yeah, but you know some other bads you know the most notable would probably be the stress um I'm not a stressful person I try to make a conscious decision not to be stressful but you know the there there are certainly it, it is a challenge for every lawyer i mean there's deadlines. There's billing pressures, client demands, long hours. The law is constantly changing in certain areas. Um, All, uh, you know, all these other demands combined make the practice of law to some might think that it's the most stressful, one of the most stressful jobs out there. Now, I will say that I think a brain surgeon probably has a little more stressful job than I do. Um, (laughs) But, you know, throw in the rising business pressures, you know, nowadays it's 2020. There's all this new legal technology that's out there, um, that, you know, it's no wonder that people think lawyers are stressed all the time. Um, but for me, I try to, you know, that that's, I say that to say that you also need to have time for your mental health. Um, but I think mental health is a very important aspect of it, um, to help you balance out, um, going forward, you know, take that time, take that 15 minutes that you might need to to kind of recoup and, and get on there because the stress and demands of practicing law, um, some might think it fueled high levels of career dissatisfaction. I think that's mainly because they don't find a a practice area that they like. Um, but I, you know, that it just depends. Um, there was, I did look up a stat though, um, that, that I did want to, I wanted to bring some stats since we were on a, on a podcast. I wanted to throw a stat out, um, and it, it, it's it's a, it's it ties back to that mental health because um you know depression and suicide uh, this was the the forty four percent um it, it was depression and suicide are common among lawyers and forty four percent of those um say they would not recommend the profession to a young person um I say that to say this that's you know forty four percent might seem high and it's certainly uh, a a drastic number but for me. Um, it's always about who you surround yourself with, um, your support network, um Absolutely. your your social network, you know, all these things tie together. Um and, and also the people that work for you, work with you in the firm. I mean, those are the people that you see every day, um, more so than your loved ones. So, you know, that that's just a strong support staff that that'll make sure that your mental health is in check. Um, but that the the stress part is probably the most prevalent um you know the outside of the long long hours the loan debt um it is a pretty competitive job market i will say that um i feel like i'm scaring away people that are thinking they want to go to law school not um here, here. but <laughs> i i do want to i do want to like just these are things that are out there you know the competitive job market um in 2019 there were 1.3 million attorneys in the united states um wow. that, that seems like a lot um it, you know, it might be hard to find that job that you're looking for. Um, and and that may be true, but for, for if that's the case, then, you know, I was always taught that my dad was really helpful with this. Um, you know, we would, I'd try to look at a job that I'd want and I might not get it for some reason, but, you know, the mindset was, okay, well, let me work for a couple years somewhere. Let me build a resume. Let me get some real world experience and then let me res circle back and see if I can get that that opportunity still available. Um, so it just all ties back to that hunger and the, the desire to get to where you want to go. Um, now for the...
0: Hold on for the, one second. On. Oh, give, I'm sorry. Me, because I, I, I want to address it. I don't think you're scurrying anybody away from law. Because the real about it, I mean, like the, just the truth and the honest truth about it is that stress comes with every job, right? And I think the way that we handle stress is very important. And I think you're addressing some really, really key things, particularly about taking care of your mental health and making sure that you take care of yourself and having that time for yourself. Right. And (laughs) when, um, when I think about like, just like corporate America or any job in general, people who are competitive by nature are going to continue to be competitive, right? You and I are competitive people. We like winning. That's what we do. We are winners at the end of the day. And winners have to always have a support system behind them because when they have those times where they might have a blip or a hiccup or whatever it is, we lean back on our support system very hard, right? And whether it's your parents, whether it's your close friends, whether it's your roommate, whether it's you know mentors, your the people that you're working with, whoever it is, you need to make sure that you surround yourself with good people who you trust. Because Absolutely. if you can't trust those people, then you're never going to truly feel like you can actually fall back on them and be like, "Oh shit, I'm going through some tough times right now." And then the worst thing you could do is feel like you're alone and have it all kind of fall down on your shoulders. But through good trust or through trust with your friends, your family, whoever it is that you have that as that support system, you'll be able to conquer anything. And I think that's something that you and I both have kind of been able to do naturally, but some people don't, aren't able to do that as naturally and need to hear this because you can make it through anything. And again, it's all about embracing that suck. It all brings it all. It brings this all full circle, but taking care of your mental health is also something that people need to do in order to be able to truly thrive and get done what they needed to get done. So Absolutely. I just want to say that because I don't think you're deterring people away. It's just, it's the the truth it's of the matter. A part of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, Shit that is life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you could be working at McDonald's and doing an hourly job and making minimum wage, and you could still feel stress in your life because you're dealing oh, with the general public. like there's so many different ways to feel stress and again, like I think it's really truly all on how we handle that anxiety and how we handle the stress and how strong our support system is that allows us to be able to conquer whatever it is that that's put in front of us. Oh yeah. But you were, you were speaking more on the, um, on the industry. I'm, I hate to cut you. I hated to cut you off, but I had to say that. Um, but did you have anything more to, to say on that part?
1: No, I mean the,
0: the last one about the ugly, um, it, th- this was
1: a tough one. I'd to think about this one cause you know, I, maybe it's just me being a young buck. Um, but I haven't really seen the ugly in the industry yet. Um, yeah. but, but you know, I'm, If I had to think about it, you know, I I think it it's it's more about the public image that that lawyers um, might get from people that don't really know um, what we do. Um, I guess you could say that, um, you know, the big misconception is, oh, got to get a lawyer involved or something. And and, or, you know, it's most people tie it to a hostile situation. Um, But that's why I kind of like my practice. More because you know I I don't deal too much in hostility I deal in, in resolution and finding a middle ground, um and trying to make a deal work, um and get the ball rolling and so I think it, it's it's something that that I'm starting to realize, um now that you know most lawyers do really good work, um and, and I think a, a majority of us do really good work and so I I think that's something that the maybe the public might skew a little bit. Um, yeah. but I, I don't really know anything that that's, that's ugly about the industry. Um, there' sure there may be things out there. you know if, if you watch suits on HBO, um, I think it's on HBO, but that um, you know you can see the, the colorized drama that, that it brings in the legal profession. but you know that outside of, of that, I can't really think of anything to be honest.
0: No, I love that. And I think you make a really good point because law is one thing that is romanticized a lot on television. Right. I mean, there's suits. There's one of my favorite shows is called For the People, which came out on Mm -hmm. Fox. Okay, Um,
1: I'll check that out
0: there. It's actually really good. It's about um, the ah, shoot, the appellate court up in New York. And it's like one of the biggest in New York. And it's about the prosecutors and the defense attorneys. And they go at it. It's it's sweet, but it's very romanticized again, because there's a love story in there. And then like you get to see kind of, well, you get to see they make up these crazy, you know, situations where it's in real life. It's like a no one could ever win, but they have to make somebody win. And that's kind of my point, though, is the fact that these television shows give everybody who might not have ever met a lawyer or who might always have like interacted in only one way with a with a lawyer or something else like that, that, you get this misconception of it. And that could be the one thing about the industry. Like you were saying, that could be the ugly because of the fact that you have to deal with what the general public thinks of lawyers all all the time, especially when like people say, hey, Chris, oh, well, it's really nice to meet you. What do you do? And you're like, oh, well, I'm an attorney. And they're like, oh, what? Like, it, you could either rub somebody the wrong way or they could be super excited to meet you like me. Sure. I super excited. And that, that's
1: just, you know, it's, it's, it's with any profession too. Um, yep. you know, but you know, that's, it's just part of the game of life.
0: That's it, man. That's it. And for my last and final question for you, because I've been loving this conversation. If you had three to four tips about anything, we've had conversations about mental health. We've talked about law. We've talked about life in general today top 3 to 4 tips for anybody that just met you in an elevator today and you're going from floor 0 to 100 what would what would those be
1: okay i think the starting the first one would be it's more of a saying um but it certainly can be used as a tip um it, it's about success i would say it, you know success doesn't come from what you do occasionally um but what you do consistently it's that repeated grind that we've just kind of been talking about that you that you have to do in order to to learn and to grow in your profession. Um, so I think if you if you do something, if you do your craft, whether it's flipping burgers at McDonald's um, or it's welding pipes at the bottom of the sea, um, if you do it consistently, um, you, you, in order to do it consistently, you have to do it occasionally. So you know, it's just the repeated process um, that, that gets you to that, that place where you want to be. Um, The the next one I would say would be to educate yourself as much as possible. Um, And this is, you know, in the law profession, we're constantly learning um, because the laws are constantly changing decisions are being made. And so you have to be able to react um, and, and address those with your clients. Um, You know, that's when a certain, for example, you know, when I was in law school, Um, and I didn't know a topic or something, um, when it came up and and I didn't know about it, I Google it as most people would do. Um, but then I, kind of would go steps further. You know, I'd watch movies, documentaries, um, when, when something really sparks my interest, uh, I read about it. Um, I I read, I read, I read, I didn't really like reading. I still kind of don't like reading, um, but I read, um, because, um, it's just something that that I have to do for my profession. If I want to, you know, make sure that I'm properly representing my clients and and it's, and it's about topics that I really like, Um, you know, it's, you really just got to stimulate your brain, man. Um, You got to learn, you got to challenge yourself. You got to get out there and into the unknown and and figure out what you're good at, what you're not good at. Um, Don't just rely on, on what's in front of you, you know, take, take some initiative, get out there and educate your mind. Um, it's all about the things that, that your mind digests, what you put into it, the people you're with, um, the stuff you listen to, the music, the movies you watch. Um, so just, you know, just really keep yourself focused on, on your end goal. Um, I find it, um, in law school, I found it, um, we, in our first year we had, um, a task, we were tasked to, to write our short term midterm and long-term goals down on a sheet of paper Phys- you know, physically write it down. Um, and, and I think putting it down and, and seeing it kind of, uh, memorializes it more in your brain. Um, and the last one, um, I guess you could say would be to study hard. Um, you know, this just goes back to what we were talking about with people thinking about going to law school, maybe people that are already in law school, you know, it's the, it's the grind study hard, um, and I think we t- touched on this earlier, but, you know, it's no matter if it seems impossible, if it takes time. Um, you got to if you got to put those long hours in, um, just do it. And and I think it's just you, as long as you remind yourself what you're doing it for, the reasons for it, um, you'll get through it. You'll wake up another day smarter and ready to go.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is Chris. This was great, man. I really appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate fun. it. I'm gonna to have to bring you back on because I took some notes over here because we were talking a little bit earlier about securities law and I want to dive deeper into that. But I think to your point, it's for another podcast. Um, oh, absolutely. So we'll have to do that again, sometime soon, man. This has been one hell of a time. Thank you again so much. This is gonna be this is gonna be awesome.
1: Yeah, man. I'm excited to hear it, Not I'm excited to keep up with the Millennial Way. I've heard good things.
0: Keep up with the grind, man. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, make sure to leave us a review. Go ahead and check us out on Twitter and Instagram at underscore millennial way and check out our website at itsmillennialtalk.com where there's new blog posts and updates. We will see you next winning Wednesday. Go grab those dubs. This is the millennial way tailoring the next generation of leaders.